All right, you don't need a visual aid for this one, but just imagine that there's a, a terrible dictator ruling a country who micromanages everything. I was in history, and, and I don't know if anybody's ever heard of beard tokens. Anybody know what a beard token is? This one is not in your imagination. This is this is true history. Tsar uh, Peter the First of Russia went to Europe, and he was so impressed with these clean-shaven men that he came back to Russia with a straight razor, and he shaved the, the faces of everybody in his court, and he put a tax on every man in Russia that if you didn't pay this tax, you'd be fined a thousand rubles if you didn't shave. And if you paid your tax, you got this beer token to, to prove, look, I've got a beer token, I've, I've paid up, I'm able to have this beer for that. So, micromanaging men's facial hair is kind of what I'm talking about. So, imagine this dictator micromanaging everything. He decides there's things like, I don't know, you can't use sporks anymore. We're going to have chili. No sporks allowed. Your cheese can only be cheddar. You're not allowed to have any Gouda anymore. You, you can only drive on the left-hand side of the road. Nothing on the right. All sorts of things like that. <laughs> now imagine there's a coup. He's removed from power. The whole nation is aware of this. It's celebrating. And the next day, they wake up and there's a, a man driving to work on the left as per usual. And a man comes barreling down that same side and they run each other off the road. And they have this encounter and they walk away. And he says, what are you doing? He goes, didn't you hear? He's no longer in, in, in charge. He's no longer power. We can do whatever he wants. Like, yes, but I have to get to work. <laughs> what are you doing driving on my side of the road? And hold that picture to understand that those of us who have been enslaved, those of us who have had rules to tell us where we're to go, what we're to do, and that has kind of led us towards life or some facsimile of it, once we are no longer beholden to those rules, what do we do with our freedom? How does our freedom make sense in a world we are no longer beholden to the rules, and how do we live amongst each other People coming down the same road towards us without going on. We're going to reread a portion from last week and then jump into a part that might cause some debate. It'll be fun. Y'all stick with me. So this is Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 10. If you've got your Bibles, you can open with me. It starts this way. Having put on your new self, having put on a new self, which is unique in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, and you can you can see Holy Springs for that, or you can see our church for this. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. <laughs> We'll get that. It can't go too far. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now here we go. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Good to have the kids with us today. Nice to see you. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eyes on you and curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work it all with your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Lord Christ, you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. We'll get into that, sir. Um, I like, actually, the Young's literal translation for this. If you're not familiar with this, this is a guy who decided, you know what, forget about grammar. Forget about, you know, the way that words normally work when we talk to each other. I'm just going to translate the Greek, like, word for word. That's the Young's literal often the worst readable translation you can find, but it gives you a good insight to what these words kind of meant. Um, this was actually surprisingly readable, and I think it tells us something about the Greek. Um, the, the, the exclamation points, I'll, I'll tell you where they are because they're fun. I don't know why he put them in here, but he did, that young guy. The wives, exclamation point. Be subject to your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. The husbands, exclamation. Love your wives and be not bitter with them. The children, exclamation point, obey the parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. The fathers, exclamation point, vex not your children, lest they be discouraged. The servants, exclamation, obey in all things those who are masters according to the flesh, not in eye service as man-pleasers, but in simplicity of heart, fearing God. And all, whatever ye may do, out of soul work, I like that, out of soul work, as to the Lord, and not to men. Hold up, now I got foot. Having known that the Lord ye shall receive from the recompense of the inheritance of the Lord Christ ye serve, and he who is doing unrighteously shall receive what he did unrighteously, and it, the Lord is in acceptance of persons. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. Having said all of that, what do you do when something in the Bible offends you. Real talk. What do you do when you read something in Scripture and you think, huh, I wouldn't have written that if I were the Lord. <laughs> that's what I do. I get those texts a lot. If you wonder what a pastor does, sometimes it's like, yeah, that's a hard passage. What are we going to do with that? What do we do when the Bible offends you? Maybe this passage doesn't offend you at all. Maybe you've known good and godly people who only use their powers to benefit others. So your fathers have been wonderful. Your children have been obedient. Slavery is not around. What are we going to do? How do we understand these things whenever we understand that there's something going on behind the scenes? But maybe you've known a parent who has embittered you. Maybe a spouse has been abusive. Maybe this teaching was offered to me to just stick it out. Because that's what good godly people do. Because that's God's will for all people of all time. That this reflects God's good and perfect design. What's the scriptural view on slavery? What's the scriptural view on women? On marriage? 
These are worthwhile questions that have caused problems in the world ever since the church began speaking these things and ever since these things were written down. For those of us who aren't offended by this passage, maybe there are those who use this to bolster their own power and position. If I wield scriptures to defend something that I have in a worldly sense, be warned. <laughs> if I use scripture to defend my right to have something in this world, that's backwards. If scripture reveals something that's true in the kingdom of God at odds with this world, now something's starting to make sense. There are those, I want to say, who sincerely want to honor the Lord and follow his word. And a plain reading of this text seems is, well, that's what the word says. That's what I'm going to do. And you don't question it and you just dig right into it because, okay, that's what the word says. And I want to bless you and invite you to come here and look at this text with me as well. So, how do we read the Bible, especially when it offends us? Let me say this. All scripture is profitable. All scripture is profitable. Okay? The parts that offend you are profitable. The parts that confuse you are profitable. The parts that tell us that, that Noah's Ark was made from gopher wood is profitable. Maybe not as profitable for you right now. But it's a part of the sum of the whole. Whole scripture is profitable. And here's the second thing I want you to hear. Reading scripture is a cross-cultural experience. Okay? We often don't think of it this way. We often think, well, it's in English. I'm reading in Holy Springs, the year 2023. This is comfortable. I'm going to read it just like it sounds to me. Tim Mackey, many of you might know him from the Bible Project. This is his statement about it, so I'm going to quote this one. I think it's pretty good. The Bible is another country, and I should treat it like that. That doesn't diminish its capacity to speak to me. I think it actually enhances its ability to say things that I never thought to think before. That's quite a big deal. When we go to another country, do we expect them to have McDonald's and Applebee's and, and to wear fanny packs like all the American tourists do, you know? Or do we expect them to speak French when we're around the Eiffel Tower? Do we expect them to show us something about life that we don't get here? If it were just the same everywhere, why would we go anywhere else? Here's where my favorite chair is. Here's where I'm comfortable. Why go anywhere else? The Bible is given to us because we need to go somewhere else. We need to go to the kingdom of God. It's given to us because the way of things that we have now is not sufficient for us fully lived. So we need to go to it to seek what's a better way? What's a different way? Because we now have freedom, how do I act one to another? Do I still drive down the same side of the road, or do I find another way? What's the pattern for how we live our lives with freedom? I want to rephrase it this way. It doesn't make it less faithful to study the Bible this way, thinking that's a cross-cultural experience. It makes it more faithful to understand, I am not the subject of the Bible. This was not written to Josh Pavel primarily. This was written to all of God's people across all time, wherever they may be found. We suffer so much from thinking that it's all about me. And it is about you as we live this out faithfully in the kingdom of God. All scripture is to be interpreted as the original intention of the author. All right, now we're getting to some specifics. Now we're saying something that some people probably disagree with, and you might have heard some things another way. 
But I think that this is very helpful, particularly when the Bible offends you, is to realize that all scriptures be interpreted as the original intention of the author. Sometimes maybe to upset you. <laughs> Sometimes maybe not. My first question is not, what does this Bible say to me here and now, but why was this written to whom and when? So when we find this objectionable, or when we find a passage that has been abused and misused, what do we do? First of all, slow down. Slow down. I think we get into the habit of reading something hard, tossing out the window, thinking, maybe I'll worry about that another day. Sending off a text to your pastor saying, I don't know what to do with this. Tell me what to think about this. And we move so fast from thought to thought that we just want to grasp at a straw and then move on because we don't want to be challenged. Slow down. Let the word of God legitimately speak to us. Slow down and study. Study. Do the work. I, I don't want to ruin the Bible for you. But, uh, you know, the word Israel means God strugglers. Sometimes God helps you out through a bad situation. Sometimes life isn't the way things are meant to be. And the word of God and the grace of our creator is present to say, this is how we can get through here. This is not what I want for you. This is not my good and perfect plan. But because this is where we're coming from, because humans have twisted things, because there's brokenness in this world. Thank you. So you can come grab this. There's a plan. There's a purpose. There's wisdom behind these messages. Does that make sense? So, this passage that we just read is not Paul's or God's commentary on the ethics of slavery and women, but it's an invitation for people who received this letter to be Christ-like in their newfound freedom. In this time, in this age, how am I supposed to be Christ-like with my newfound freedom? And what does that mean for us here today? So let's get into this text a little bit more now. This is not in the side from the topic that we've been talking about. That's why I started where we were last week, right? Put on your new self. The rules don't define you. Love each other. Have peace. Have thanksgiving. There is no slave or free. There is not male nor female. We've got a whole new world before us right now. So what do I do with my freedom? Here's the message I want you to hear. Submit and subvert. We've got a bald eagle. Wow. Go bird. <laughs> Philly's playing today. Is that right now? <laughs> Submit. You got two? So, by the way, Leah, on an aside, I think it's unfair that the, the kids alone can get something from the treasure box. <laughs> If, if the adults can like write a poem, share a picture, show you show the notes, parents, you know, singles, teens, everybody. If you're above the age of twelve, just add at least some text. I'll say, and maybe the treasure. Maybe you can get a, a VCHS pen to, to to add to your collection. All right. In this passage, what is Paul telling them to do? I believe he's calling them to submit and to subvert. This is pretty bold language that he's telling the people around here to submit and subvert. And kind of, it's the same thing at the same time. Submit is clear. I mean, it's in the text itself. It's the literal language that's used. But subvert, 
I, I jokingly said we didn't have uh, the TV screens here, but I was going to bring, we have that, that Jenga box that we have, you know, I was going to bring that and put that up here and have people come up here and remove a block. Because what's really happening here is, is the subversion is happening block by block against the broken systems of this world. There is not slave nor free. A block of that broken system comes out. We're trying to topple the, the ways of this world to get to the way that things should be in the kingdom of God. How do we do that? Do we do it all at one time? Does the whole system just fall down because everything has been subverted? There's nothing here. The blocks would have fallen by the wind, by the way, so it's probably good I didn't bring that. You take it out block by block. There's not slave nor free in this place. When we're gathered, we all serve unto the Lord. The Lord is Lord of all. When we gather, it's not male or female. When we gather, it's not circumcised and uncircumcised. It's not Jews or Gentiles when we're here. In the kingdom of God, we know where we're going to. No matter what the world outside might be, here, here is different. Here we answer to a different master. Submit and subvert. This division that we see is a product of the fall. In the beginning, God created mankind in, in his own image. Male and female, he created them. That's Genesis, the first chapter. That is such a profound thing. Whenever the Egyptians were saying, only the, the pharaohs are created in the image of the gods. Everybody else is normal. When the others were saying, the priests are those in the image of God. Everybody else is going to be lesser than that. The Bible, Scripture, the Jewish people put down in writing, male and female, he created them in the image of the creator that is a bold statement for an old world people that is a, a confoundingly progressive idea but then what do we see with the fall we see the division begin to occur we see your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you the party of the fall not the good design so what do we want to be like, church? Do we want to be more like the world after the fall or like the kingdom come? Do we want to be like where we've come from or what we're going towards? If we want to get all the way back to new creation, great. Let's, let's get back to the way things were originally meant to be. But we represent the, the new world, the way that things should be. So let us understand what we're going towards, not what things look like in the world. My theology, my approach has become increasingly clear over the years when I think about it this way. Do I want this world, this time, my house, this church to look more like the curse or the cross? Like the fall or like new creation? Like where we came from or where we're going? Paul is talking to a church in process, as we all are. And he's pointing out where they're at now. He's saying, these are the rules of the road for where we're at. I want you to be Christ-like. And these are universal truths for Christians. How do we love? How do we serve? How do we put on this kindness to each other? How do we celebrate the new creation that's in our midst? How do we come together and make this world more like what we're going to be than what it is when we're outside these walls? He's dealing with a broken world. He's dealing with hope, freedom, and wisdom. That is hard. <laughs> It is hard whenever we walk out from this room, whenever we walk out from this building, he's saying, and you're going to go out there and you have a master you have to report to. You're going to have to go back from here and you're going to have to deal with the brokenness in your home. You're going to have to deal with a husband who doesn't agree with you being here. You're going to have to deal with this harshness. But in this place, we have something else. 
Something else I want to know, and it's so hard for us to remember this, but we are not talking about pre-Civil War slaves in the American South when we talk about slavery in the Bible. There are, whoops, I don't need those anymore either. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. <laughs> slavery was all throughout the Roman Empire. Now, I don't quite understand this meme about guys thinking about the Roman Empire. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't get this. I, I like normally I feel like I can keep up with kind of the, the the memes and the jokes that are coming out here. I don't understand this one. This is this one eludes me. I guarantee you this is not like Josh is thinking about the Roman Empire, I think. Uh, but this is the text. Alright, so we're talking about the Roman Empire here. I pulled up some stats. Apparently this is a common thing right now. Thirty to sixty percent of the people in the Roman Empire were slaves. 30 to 60 percent across all nationalities. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't look down the street and say, like, oh, you're a slave. No, no, no. Like everybody, there's a good chance that these people were slaves. It wasn't the, their race or their occupations. There were slaves who were physicians and philosophers and also those who worked in the mines. It was, it was a very different context, but they had to report back. They weren't fully free. There were, it was a very different thing than what we're talking here. So don't make these things common and the same in your mind. We are in the business of undoing the fall. We want to be closer to the kingdom come than the ways of the fall. All right, so what, let me ask you this one. When we look at these problematic ta- texts, what about the ultimate right? Why doesn't God come in and say, you know what, slaves? Lead a revolt. Be free. That this is the way of the new kingdom, so forget these things that confine us here. Forget these things that limit us here. We know what things will be. And people come into the text hoping for it to say something like that, to say this is clearly, unequivocally, a universal truth for all time. But that's not what we see. I put this in Slack. So if you're in Slack, you, you've read this. But I want you to, to say it out loud. Put some air behind these words. You're not really encountering the real God if only you're allowed to question him and he's not allowed to question you. You're allowed to contradict him, but he's not allowed to contradict you. What incredibly powerful Same, that was from Tim Keller, by the way. You're not encountering the real God if only you're allowed to question him, and he's not allowed to question you. If you contradict him, but he's not allowed to contradict you, this is a God of your own invention. God is calling us to a place that is not like the ways of this world. How do we get there? By being transformed. By being different. So imagine, back in this day, in the Roman Empire... Paul doesn't take a course of wisdom and tell us what to do with freedom, but he says, go lead a slave revolt. (laughs) Go experience your your freedom in Christ on the streets. How many people would you be willing to sacrifice to see that that begin to be materialized? You're now making military, worldly decisions with people's real lives. Whenever you tell a woman in an abusive relationship, you must stay there, you must... What are you willing to sacrifice for these things. What does wisdom tell us to do in these situations? It's much more nuanced. Do we go to the streets of Iran and tell the women, throw off the burqa. You are meant you are made in the image of, of God, of your creator. Live your life freely when we know that there's persecution to be met there. Are we willing to pay those prices? Paul wasn't. Paul wasn't. I don't think the Lord was either. Because these ways, this brokenness, that's just kind of the nature of this world. We've exchanged some brokenness for different brokenness. 
We are in an age of unchecked greed and lust. And that has filled us with hope that we think maybe, maybe if I'm greedy enough, I can get enough that I don't have to worry about anything. We think that maybe, maybe I can find pleasure in this world if I can just get enough. That is what characterizes our age. It's been different. We've changed some brokenness for different brokenness. But we are still a people in process, dealing with a broken world as best we can figure out by wisdom, because we've been set free and we see what the image of God is. So we submit and we subvert. First Corinthians 10.23 All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Paul is giving the church wisdom literature. Here's how we can live out our freedom. Here's how you can obey by the, the, the rules of the road and see Christ realized through your actions. It's very Christ-like to not demand what is properly yours, but to be given it by the one with true power and authority. If we claim it ourselves, if we clamor and clatter for respect and honor and glory and position and hierarchy, we look just like the world. But if we submit and subvert, we begin to see the kingdom of God. If you still got your Bibles open, look very carefully with, with a, a little division here. We've got a nice, beautiful poetry. Paul, for being a very textual guy, like I love when you can just see these little rhythms pop out. Look at verses 18, 20, and 22. And it's kind of like a sandwich. You've got layers here. And if you see that there are the the uh, like the first, third, and fifth are all directed towards the Lord, the middle ones are not. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eyes on you encourage their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. They're all directed towards the Lord. Those without power, those without position, it's all redirected towards the Lord. But for husbands and fathers, those in the middle, husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. No mention of the Lord. <laughs> fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Just don't do it. <laughs> There's just nothing more to it. What do I make of that? God is close to those without power. God is close to those without power. It's hard for the wise, it's hard for the rich to come to the kingdom of God. He's close to those without power. This is a picture of kingdom relationships in a broken world. The values aren't eternal justice, universal autonomy, or the importance of the individual, but the values are each other. It's us. The value is the people the people spread throughout this community. What a wonderful picture on how to love the people inside and outside of this room as we go back out into the world. It fits beautifully with the words from Christ. When you get struck, turn the other cheek. If you're a soldier who demands you to carry his gear one mile, go with him too. If someone asks for your jacket, give him your shirt too. That's our Christ. What do we do when we've been set free to work this out? No surprise, I'm going to say submit and subvert. Let's go wrap this up.
you're in a position of worldly power or success, spend it on your brother, your sister, your wife, and your kids. This is what it says in Luke 16, 9. Jesus commands us, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Y'all, y'all read this one often? You should. So that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. One more time for those in the back. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Guys, why do we have anything in this age? Bring community into it. Bless each other. Love each other. Throw a party. <laughs> and this is in the Old Testament too. I didn't put that one in here, but but it's like if you too, if you're too far from the temple and you can't make it there for your your normal sacrifices, you know what you should do? Have a party at your house. <laughs> Invite the poor. Make everybody come there because that's how we celebrate the kingdom of God. Make sure everybody's got a seat at the table. What a wonderful way, I think, for us to go from this to a chili cook-off. <laughs> so, we're not going to shortchange ministry. We're not going to, to completely change our culture for these things. But the application of what we're reading here, the rules of the road, are what we want to do here today. Be formed. Character first. Humility in all things. Use who I am, where I am, to benefit my brother, my sister. That's the call. Submit and subvert, because we're a part of a greater kingdom than the ways of this world. And that needs to manifest in your private relationships, in your family relationships, in the work relationships you have, with the relationship with the godly and the ungodly everywhere you encounter them. Be Christ-like in all that we do. So we're going to celebrate community. By doing community. Uh, you've been around me long enough to know that I talk about the uh, the table being central, right? And what we want to do, what I wanted us to do, I'll tell you that. What I wanted us to do was actually have this as like an appetizer before the chili. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you, like we have a feast set before us. And as we bless the table, as we come to here, we, we take that and then we dig into the full feast. So it's a, a part of the meal. <laughs> Leah thinks we probably can't practically stand around the chili and do all this. She's probably right. I, I, I've, I've been around her long enough to know that she sees things I do not see well. So what we are going to do, though, is we are going to go from this time here, take communion. What would I give you if you go to a very fancy restaurant, you get the little, um, like the little amuse-bouche, right? If, you, if you've ever been to a place where they have it, like just a little taste. Understand that that's what this is. It's just a taste of all that the Lord is doing for us. This is a part of the whole that we'll be experiencing in there. Very real. Very practically. They call them in the old church the love feasts. I don't think they were quite as competitive as what we're going to have today, but we'll see. But this is a taste of the whole. So you're invited to come to the table. You're invited to come here and realize... There's a better way. There's a better way by Christ's body and blood, broken and poured out. So kids, if you've got anything that you haven't written down yet, then give you a hint. Submit and subvert will get you into that treasure box. Strike that down. I don't know, I just got a massive look from the teacher. Maybe I should have spelled that out for you. <laughs> but we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. I invite you to... Come to the table as you're prepared, as you're ready, to offer your relationships by offering yourself 
to honor your father, your mother, your children, your masters, your servants, your brothers, your sisters, the Jews and the Greeks, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, the barbarians, the Scythians, the slaves, the free. Offer them your your best understanding, your compassion, your care for their well-being. Do it from the table. Thank you, Jesus, for making way back. And we come with humility and hope for a better way. And we will taste and see that you are good. Thank you. Jesus, I pray. Amen.